Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for men in their 40s who want to improve their health through nutrition and fitness. This is episode 114, and on today's episode, we are talking with Nicolina Luck from Glycanage about the topic of understanding our biological age and how we can improve that through lifestyle changes. Glycanage is a biotech company based in London, offering a test of an individual's glycobiology to inform lifestyle choices and changes to improve future health. Nicolina is a successful entrepreneur and she is a CEO and is leading Glycanage in its development from a biomarket in research to a consumer product. But before we get into today's episode, guys, I just want to take a moment to mention the show's sponsors, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens was created by its founder, Chris, after years of gut health issues that left him facing a health crisis with no solutions in sight. Despite his best efforts to maintain a balanced, nourished diet, Chris's body struggled to absorb and synthesize nutrients. So Chris developed Athletic Greens with a mission of creating the highest efficacy, bioavailable and nutritionally complete supplement to help your body function as it's supposed to, no matter your age or activity level. Now, as most of you know, I'm a big advocate of getting our nutrients from the foods in our diet, but with our busy lives and the way that food is produced nowadays, that is not always possible. So I personally take Athletic Greens as a bit of an insurance policy so that I ensure that I'm getting all the nutrients in my daily diet. And Athletic Greens have an offer for the listeners of the podcast to get 10% off their first order. So if you go over to athleticgreens.com forward slash fitterhealthierdad, you can get 10% off your first order. Hi, Nicolina. Thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. It's real good to be here. Yeah, thanks for for taking the time out. I know you're super busy. And um, yeah, but before we delve into the topic today, be good for the audience and people listening if you could give some background on yourself and how you come to start Glycanage. Uh, yeah, so I, by background, am solely an entrepreneur. It's all I've, I've ever done. <laughs> I've, I've actually never been employed. I didn't create my own job. So okay. I, I don't think I know how to do anything else. Um, but this actually came from my father's research lab. Okay. Uh, so although I'm not a scientist, both of my parents are hard scientists. So my father's a molecular biologist specializing in glycobiology. Wow. And my mother's a neuroscientist. Okay. And maybe about 10 years ago, when they were doing some basis, basic research, he told me I can measure aging or I can tell somebody's uh, age and some uh, biological age or not, not just the age of your birthday. And I first thought that was completely useless because I was about, I think, 20 or 19 at the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm 30 <laughs> now. So yeah. I didn't really care about age. And I think I, I had a company... Uh, 
since I was 18. So I also never admitted that I was young. So I didn't want anybody to know my real age. So I thought, <laughs> no, this is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's how it started. And then from basic research, they did a lot of uh, intervention studies, a lot of association. And although he's not an aging researcher himself, we realized it's not only that we can measure it, but we can actually move the needle and you can do it both by lifestyle and, and some other interventions. So it became exciting because you can measure something, but not just you can measure it, you can intervene. And it had some real meaning for your long-term health and health right. outcomes. So you knew you were doing something really good on the long-term if you're reversing yeah. the clock in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that that to me is just a fascinating topic, isn't it? Because if we consider how we've evolved through society, it's it's this accepted norm, isn't it? That we, you know, we grow up and we age and life takes its toll. And, you know, as we get to real later on in life, we deteriorate and, and things like that. And And it's the concept of us being now able to understand that we can actually change that is super, super fascinating. And I would imagine a lot of people listening to today's podcast have probably never, ever considered, you know, that the, the fact that that's actually an option for us, right? Because, you know, we, we talk about fitness, health and nutrition, but we don't ever talk about the fact of how that can have a, a dramatic impact on our longevity, but not only just our longevity, but our kind of health as we age, right? And there's a lot of people now in, in the biohacking space talking about living to over 100 and all the rest of it. And, and some people that I speak to about that are completely horrified because their perception or their view of living to over 100 is that you're in a not a good place. But from what you're saying with the tests and the science that you now have is that we can monitor and we can change our I guess, ourselves and our environments to mean that that's not necessarily the case. Yes. So I think the first, before we get to living to 180 and all yeah. the biohacking goals, it's matching our health plan to our lifespan. Right. So in the last couple of decades, we're really good extending in how long, long we live and pretty much globally people are living longer, but we spend more of a quarter or even more than that in ill health or we, we don't feel right. good, we don't function well, we suffer. And I think that's the first thing to try and remove or move it as much as possible. Yeah. And then get to the optimal of, yes, that, uh, us maybe living like or feeling like we were at 50 at 110 or 120, yeah. which would be amazing. Uh, but it, start, it starts with health span. And the problem with health span today is that when we intervene in our health is already when something's gone wrong. So we yeah. feel some kind of pain uh, and we go to the doctor and all the tools that we, we use are diagnostic. So they're looking for a particular problem or a particular organ to say, this is malfunctioning, you have this disease. And then our interventions, then they are mainly managing the disease or giving medication to keep you relatively functional, but not really fixing the problem it's just making yeah. you in this broken state in a way and where modern medicine will come in and these health biomarkers we're looking at now is actually telling not that you already have a disease but maybe some molecular markers are changing which are going towards that direction right. and you can intervene before that happens the most attractive thing about our side of science which are glycans is that they change up to a decade 
before onset of disease, and they change with general aging as well, and they can move slower or faster. So you really have a long timeline to intervene. And let's say maybe in three, four years time, whenever we manage to make this commercial, we'll be able to tell you you're five, 10 years away from a heart attack or a stroke or from wow. diabetes type two. Yeah. And if you change your actions in this particular way, and it starts with lifestyle, you may never get there, or you may be able to prolong it for further and further, and you can measure how well you're doing. Right. So that, and, and starting with what it is, because when we say glycans, nobody's heard of it, or if you no. have heard of it, you, you don't fully understand what they are. And they're sugars, or they're complex carbohydrates. And when you say sugars, people think about the sugars we eat. Yeah. Or, or maybe they think about glucose, how the body responds to sugar yeah. or HbA1c. So they think, oh, maybe I need a low-carb diet. <laughs> yeah. But we are actually made of sugar. So they're one of the core structural components of a cell. So same as there's sugars in the food we eat, there's sugars, in, you know, trees made out of sugars. We're also made out of sugars. Wow. And, okay. and that's the part we really neglect. So in uh, most, of, particularly in medicine, there's literally two, actually one uh, biomarker for liver disease that's glycan-based, which is on the market, and it took them 14 years to get there. Right. So it, it's a really novel part of it. Um, and it, it's a super exciting space because it, it has a genetic influence as well. So this IgG glycan composition, which, which is what we look at the aging clock, uh, is about 50 to 40% defined or, or influenced by your genes. And then it has your past environment with epigenetic influences. And it also sees your current or has the influences of your current environment and lifestyle. So it gives you a very uh, complete view yeah. of what's going on in something that's movable. So it's not like you have this genetic predisposition. It's like you are here and you can change it in this way, or this is something that you can intervene at. You're not uh, just born with it and there's nothing you can do uh, i hope i haven't complicated <laughs> no no i think it is is super fascinating and i think it it, it makes it more uh, understandable when you when you talk it talk about it in you know from a sugar standpoint because we we can relate to that and we can understand that but effectively what you're saying is by looking at the glycans in our in our body which are effectively complex carbohydrates made up from sugar we can predict and we can look at our past health our current health and we can look at it in the, in relation to what it could you know end up being in the future so when when you're talking about that how is it how does it work when you're studying and looking at glycans because for me before i met you you know i had no idea what glycans are i have a little bit of an understanding now not at the level that you do but I would imagine a lot of people listening to this, this is a new, completely new concept to them. So how, just give us an understanding of how that works, you know, how the glycans change through our, you know, our environment, our epigenetics and from our lifestyle. So you know that you have an immune system. So let, yeah. Let's start there. Yeah. And there's lots of glycans everywhere. We have them in our gut. They're on all, all, all proteins we've had since there is complex life forms. But the ones we specialize in, the ones we look at for aging, are glycans on IgG or the uh, immune global IgG antibody. And that's the most abundant antibody we have in blood. Yeah. And they regulate the functionality of this antibody to make it more pro-inflammatory 
or more anti-inflammatory. So we, they, they wow. have both features. And this composition uh, of your IgG glycogen changes with age that in a way, when you're young, you have more of the good guys. So they suppress inflammation and you have less of the bad guys that activate it. But as you get older, you have more of the pro-inflammatory ones and less of the anti-inflammatory ones. So you wow. have this background, low-grade chronic inflammation, which is just accumulating with age. Right. And, and that's the theory. Uh, one of the theories of aging is inflammation or this overactivation of our immune system through time where we create this background level of inflammation, then that leads to functional decline as in aging, but also lots of uh, inflammation related diseases like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, and pretty much every chronic condition that we suffer from. Yeah. Okay. So, so thinking about, I mean, inflammation is a good one, particularly relating to obviously our immune system. And there's a lot of talk around, um, sugar and in inflammation in the gut uh, as a as a marker for our overall health so when we when we but what you just said there about glycans and inflammation it's it's not necessarily that it's an inflammatory response it, it's inflammation over a period of time which leads to i guess degeneration decay whatever is that is that a fair kind of comment and just to decouple that, so sugars you eat is different to the sugars you produce. We look right. at the sugars you produce and they regulate your immune system uh, or yeah. this immune, both features of it, so the good and the bad features of it. And you need both. So you right. need to have a strong immune response when you need to uh, defend yourself from a, from a threat, but you also can't have too much of a strong response because then you're damaging yourself or your own tissue. And most of the things we suffer for, they're uh, self-created in a way. So yeah. we, we're not, it, it can be a pathogen. Yes, we can get an infectious disease, but a lot of the things that we suffer for most when we age are self-created uh, diseases that have, um, in a way, this damage has accumulated. And at that point, a certain organ breaks and then we call it a certain disease. Yeah. But the cause of it or this background inflammation has been there for a long time. And that's why we start with aging right? or speeding up aging. And there's lots of evidence now that we should, and lots of scientists who, who, who preach it, that age is a disease or it's the start okay. of all ill health. It's a, it, it, and if we can resolve aging, so if we can attack the, the cause, then we can delay or avoid disease for as long as possible. So instead right. of going for one particular organ or one problem, we can go for the whole thing and start with our aging. And there's more and more evidence coming. Right. Okay. I mean, that, that kind of opens up a whole world of questions for me because that's almost like saying that we have the ability to stop us aging, i.e. From, from an ascetical standpoint when we look older. But surely at some point, the cellular health in our body is going to deteriorate, right? Because of the, the path that we take through life, because of our environment. But what you've just said there is that potentially there is a, with an understanding from science, there is an, a possibility that we can either slow that down. Would you say you can stop it though? We know that we can 
slow it down or yeah. stop it on a molecular level in some basic research, but there is really good evidence coming out now that even in humans, we can stop it or prevent it or reverse it a little bit. Right. Uh, and, and, and we can get into that uh, too, but I think just starting from, uh, there's something else you said I wanted to pick up on. It was, lost <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it was I, w- I was talking about um uh, the the fact that you know uh, surely as we go through life as we age we age that's not we can't stop that you know process happening yes but we can prolong it or delay it so this right. is prolong prolonging it or delay it and it's also because you mentioned um um visual aging and it's important to decouple those okay. two. Okay, right. Actually, they can move in a different pace. And there was a very interesting paper that came out uh, a few months ago that looked at all of these molecular aging biomarkers, including glycans and methylations. Uh, and they looked at the facial aging and even some molecular uh, skin aging biomarkers. Right. And um, the glycans and methylation move predictably with age, where they measure aging. Uh, glycans are better at measuring biological age or your health span, and the methylation was better at predicting your chronological age, which right. didn't correlate with your health uh, outcomes or your future health. So glycans are very relevant in biological age and predominantly starting with the immune system that keeps us alive. But the skin aging clocks can move in a different pace. So what they right. saw is that the healthy people who had better molecular aging sometimes had higher skin aging because they spend more time in the sun, they spend right. more time outdoors. Yeah. So actually your ex- external vis- uh, visual look doesn't need to correlate with what's happening inside. Right. Um, it, it can do, but it, it doesn't need to. Yeah, that, that, makes, that does make sense. That makes a lot of sense because obviously, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle thing, isn't it? And, and then also there's genetics that, that come into play, I guess, with, with kind of, external aging so you've got your lifestyle factors and your your genetics but so when we when we're um looking at uh the glycans uh and we're looking at them from the perspective of what do we think is coming down the the path for us can you just run us through kind of the process so i've yet to have my test i'm going to have my test so i'm going to have my glycan age test because i'm generally interested on a personal level at at my underlying health my metabolic health and longevity so let's assume that we've had that test and we've got the results and then there's some areas that have been highlighted so the first thing i want to ask is are there any areas which from the test that you couldn't highlight so for example you know a bit of an exaggeration so heart disease or liver disease or anything like that are there areas that you can't detect but then equally if you do detect an a potential issue what type of actions do you recommend people then take in order to kind of mitigate against that? So important thing to highlight is that glycan age is a general aging marker. So right now we can't tell you disease specific signals that will be possible in five years. So already in research, we have certain signals for cardiovascular disease and diabetes, but they're not part of the commercial package yet. So we can okay. look at glycans as the, um, maybe as complex as as genetics, but we can intervene. Uh, And they can give you a lot from a panel. And this is a panel looking at inflammation or immune health. 
and that will be specific in the future, but right now it's general aging. And then we break down the composition. So we tell you how many good guys you have, how many bad guys you have, and how this correlates with your age group, but also your gender and your ethnicity. Okay. And then we give you this age. And we know this age is really valuable because for example, in this study I spoke about a few minutes ago, it was predictive of future incidence of disease, but it was prognostic and hospital admissions, the acceleration of glycan age, but it's not something for you to worry about because you're glycan, you can change your glycan age with lifestyle. Yeah. So it should be empowering saying, I can see my future self. I can see, I can identify the causes in my lifestyle, which are speeding up my clock. And I can change this today instead of waiting for something to happen a bit faster mm. to me than it would to somebody else who has a slower clock. I, I can tell you a lot about how you can intervene because uh, with each test, you get your biological age, you okay. get your glycan composition, and then you have a consultation that is con uh, that we connect with your health profile where you tell us how often you exercise, what type of diet you have, and some other factors there. And then this is a discussed with a doctor, we call them a health span doctor. So doctors who has a little bit of a nutrition education or functional right. medicine side, who will then tell you what to change in your life, uh, lifestyle today to influence that clock or move it backwards yeah. as much as you can. And sometimes it can be medical, uh, you, can, you can influence it with conditions you already have, or for example, menopause. And for that, you would be referred to your doctor. So they would tell you how it influences. So for example, if you have IBD, then yes, you would probably have an accelerated glycan age. But we've had a number of uh, clients now who've managed to uh, fix their gut and their glycan age improved by a decade or more. Wow. So there, sometimes you do need to go back to your health provider and work on your menopause or whatever it is. But yeah. it doesn't mean you can reverse that with the right type of intervention. Yeah, I mean that that's yeah. No, that that makes that that makes a lot of sense. And I think it was quite interesting there when you mentioned about female menopause, um, about you know how you can help uh, and optimize that because that's you know a general condition. I, I was going to say illness, but it's not an illness. A general condition that that people um, you know or ladies face, uh, and to try and optimize that as opposed to the current thinking where it's just something that happens in life and you have to deal with it, I would imagine would make you know, people's lives a lot more fulfilled as opposed to just kind of dealing with this. But um, so, so on with regards to once the test has been done and you have results and you have recommendations, you mentioned there about gut health, how much of a connection or of an influence does the gut health have on the glycans? pretty big we're still decoupling that so we're doing a lot of research with kings and they had this predict study and there's even a commercial company that's um, uh, utilizing that as a product so we are having uh, lots of new data that's going to come in the next year yeah we know now that if you have poor gut health or you have a, a condition like ibs or ibd this will impact your glycans in your blood and it will impact your biological age. But we also know that if you do a, a fecal microbiome transplant and you repair your gut, this will impact the glycans in your blood and you will have a better uh, aging curve. So right. if you fix it, now we don't know how this correlates with diet 
and we did one diet study. For example, let, let's start with weight loss. We know weight BMI has a huge influence. Yeah. And we know that uh, we, we track 2,000 twins over 15 years, and we know that the twins who gain weight, they age faster. The twins who lose weight, they're aging slower. And you can even see this difference in identical twins. Uh, so lifestyle plays a huge factor. Uh, and we did caloric restriction. So we know with caloric restriction, you can reduce your glycogen age and bariatric surgery, which were obese individuals. And then six months later, because you need recovery after surgery, they are reversed about nine years in glycogen age. Uh, then we tried to look at diet. So we tried to, we, we looked at a thousand people over a year on five different diets. And we thought we're going to find this one optimal diet that everybody should follow. Yeah. And, then that's the, the, the secret diet and we all should do that. And what we realized is that as, as everything, we're two individuals. So in yeah. each of those diets, even in high carb, half people benefit, exactly half people don't or, or about that yeah. proportion. So it's really about finding the right intervention for you. And that is something to do with your genes, uh, some to do with epigenetics, maybe a little bit and microbiome and right. the biggest one. Right. Okay. Yeah, that that's super interesting. And I think it just follows along the, the the long line of and I and I some people have mocked me for this, but you know, there is no one size fits all, right? We are truly unique and we are truly individual. Um, you know, and and not there isn't a one diet that's a magical diet for anybody. But um so in terms of once you you've identified an issue, a potential issue, and then you start to make these changes. I'm, I'm assuming that you, you, you can't predict how uh, people are going to uh, react to the changes and how their glycans are going to change unless they're retested, or can you make that prediction? You can make an educated guess right. at the start, but then it's always best to validate it about three months down the line. Okay. Okay. And if it's a slow intervention, so it's something that's going to take time to benefit you we would say even six months so it, it's something if you look at general aging the average a person ages one year by biological age a year and that moves um, mm. some people maybe a bit faster some may, maybe a bit slower but you really can't change even a couple of decades within six months with the right intervention for a person so if an yeah. obese individual loses 20 kilos he's going to have a significant reduction if yeah. a woman in menopause goes on menopause therapy she's going to sometimes even have a couple decades uh, reduction within six months right Uh, so it's really about finding the right thing and that in that person and that could be something really simple for example uh, it could be sleep it could be stress Uh, we had one individual who had a really poor diet and he was 26 and his glycogen was 46 and his whole company all of the young guys because they were software developers all of them were had horrible score. And he was not obese, you know, yeah. he was yeah, yeah. normal looking, uh, but he exercised a bit more and uh, started eating more vegetables. And because he started eating more vegetables and, and cooking his food and had a healthier diet, he had more energy to exercise, but he also didn't exercise too much. And after six months, he lost 10 years in glycogen. So he's now wow. 36 and he needs to lose another 10. Yeah. <laughs> his age, but at least he's on the on the curve to get there. Uh, so it's really about finding that thing in a person. Sometimes it's very obvious and it's easy yeah. for you to identify it, but sometimes it can be mental health or something else, mm-hmm. which is a little bit more complex. Uh, so it 
requires a different intervention. Yeah, and I think it is the, the 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 example that you gave there about the software developers. I think it's super interesting because you know in society we've grown up in this culture where we perceive health to be something that's fixed, right? Uh, as opposed to something that we uh, monitor and manage. And I always use the analogy of a car because you know if your if your car has an amber light on it or if it has a red light on it, you go and take it to the garage, right? Uh, but but equally, you know, you, you check the tires, you check the oil, you check the water. We don't do any of that, you know, with with ourselves. And so, what challenges do you think Glycanage has in order to get this more to mass market? Because it's clearly um, a service and a product which would hugely benefit, you know, not just the individuals, but health services throughout the world right because it will take the load off if you can see down the road and you can predict that somebody's potentially going to have a serious issue and you can start mitigating against it the load that's going to come off of the health services is huge absolutely that it's backwards at the moment that, that yeah we we intervene only when there's a severe problem and we don't monitor ourselves at all until mm. that point so we also compare ourselves to this very broad average where normal is not necessarily normal for you. So it, it's really backwards. And there is some movement, I think, particularly in uh, institutions like the NHS, they will have to go in that direction. because mm. They're already um, out of budget. They're already falling apart. And unless they actively invest in prevention at the moment, it's only 5% of their budget that goes in wow. prevention. Wow. We're, we're not going to get there. And then there's the other problem that it's really up to you it's not that a doctor can give you a drug to yeah. eat yeah. better or exercise more it, it doesn't exist so it's really in your hands and i think that movement is there and we've had it here for a long time we did lots of mistakes because we did went blindly into health so i think there are lots of mistakes that happened in the fitness industry and we can talk about yeah. that if you like <laughs> yeah but it is here and, and COVID did accelerate it. I think a lot of us are more comfortable with at home testing of investing yeah. in testing ourselves in different ways and being in control of our health and not necessarily having to go for, to the doctor for everything and understanding the limitations of the doctor where they're not eating the food for us or taking us, taking us out yeah. of the run. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Well, there's a couple of important points there. One particularly that I want to pick out and that is, the ability to test yourself in your own home. And I, I believe that we are in a truly unique period in our lifetimes that we've never had so much access to so much data and services that can actually tell us very succinctly what's going on with our health. You know, I know there's a lot of tests you can do from blood tests to vitamin and mineral tests, gut health tests and all the rest of it. But if you are aware that your health is your responsibility it's nobody else's and i think if we can raise that awareness people can take back control of their health and actually start to feel better on their own as opposed to to going to to a practitioner when like you say something has happened so you know on that front and and obviously you said that glycanage is not a like a, a wider of consumer product at the moment where do you think you know the industry is going to go and where do you think glycanage is going to go, going to go to support that well science moves slowly uh, our 
chief scientist has been doing this for 30 years and he's been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. Maybe the last 10 years we've had good movement. And we have a number of these super exciting biomarkers, which are very well validated and replicated on hundreds of thousands of people. But getting them to the clinic or to application is a bit of a long process. I say mm. five years until we can give you a report like your gene genetic report, where we can give you um, your future risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes, but mm -hmm. also keeping in mind that this is something that you don't test once. This is something you intervene with and you yeah. follow it through time. So that's five years. And I think when we can say something that you recognize more than biological aging. So this idea of intervening with aging is getting there and there's more and more movement, but there's still a lot of resistance because we think about it as a natural process, meaning yeah. we should live with it and we should suffer through it. And I think the, the aspect of aging that's gained the most amount of attention recently is menopause because menopause is yeah. a natural event. And mm -hmm. there's, it has the same stigma. It, it, you should deal with it or you should yeah. live through it, but you shouldn't intervene. And there's more and more evidence coming out that we really should. And if we intervene early, this also helps our long-term health outcomes. So we're not doing it just for the symptoms or um, to have better skin and hair, as some would say. It's really for long-term health outcomes and an investment in a future self. But then you also have the perspective that it has to be personalized to the woman. It has to be individualized. And it, 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 there's lots of complexity there as well. Um, but I think that's one space. And we have some molecular biomarkers we're developing to identify menopause correctly because we right. don't have good biomarkers at the moment and to guide therapy because they're responsive to therapy. And actually those biomarkers are within the complete glycinase report. We just can't interpret it until we go through the regulate, regulatory side of things. But that's maybe a year and a half away. I would okay. Say. In okay. a year and a half, we would have menoage as well, which is connected to your menopause and intervention. And there is a, there's andropause as well. And even in men, we see a response. And okay. if you like, I can, I can tell you about that. Yeah, that would um, be good because I've not heard of that before. So we did, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a trial in the States and they sent us, samples a, a few years ago and they had both natural menopause and andropause and then they had uh, younger individuals who were chemically manipulated to pause uh, in women gonadal hormone production for five uh, months and there we and, and then they it was a placebo controlled trial so half went on therapy half went on uh, placebo and in the placebo we saw the woman age nine years within five months when you chemically introduce menopause and then the estrogen replacement or the estrogen patches, they didn't age or they didn't have the negative inflammatory response right. and both of them recover. So they recover. And this was done maybe 10, 15 years ago. I think today they would struggle with the chemical yeah. manipulation. In men, they also stopped uh, hormone production and they were given testosterone. Half were given testosterone as normal the others were giving testosterone with an aromatized inhibitor which blocks the conversion from testosterone to estrogen and in the just testosterone replacement they mitigate the negative change so they stay in a healthy range they don't become pro-inflammatory in the testosterone plus the blocker they age or they have the negative inflammatory change so even in men this conversion of testosterone to estrogen 
it is what benefits the immune system most or what balances it out. And that's actually quite interesting. The women post-menopause, or, or that's something one of our clinicians uses, they have four times less estrogen than their husbands at that moment. Wow. So it, it, it really is a hormone that men have as well. And there was a yeah. mice study that was, studied, uh, that was published a few months ago where they gave mice uh, uh, non-feminizing estrogen, so mm-hmm. uh, alpha-17 estradiol, and they lived 20% longer, Whoa. the male mice. So it, estrogen is a, is a longevity drug. And I, I think, you know, for men, you don't need to worry because testosterone converts to estrogen. Yeah. But there's a lot of good science coming out on testosterone and the long-term health benefits, same as for HIV and our immune system and long-term health benefits. But of course, things to be personalized. The drugs are very different. Yeah. years ago, this was... Um, the synthetic made from pregnant horses urine type of hormones. Now we have the body identical synthesized from wild yams and it's a very different drug. Mm. So I, I, I do think that's one space where we already intervene with aging. Right. And we know that this benefits our long-term health and it's gaining more and more understanding of, of the long-term benefit of it, not just the symptoms at the moment. Yeah, I think that's very, very interesting because, you know, as you already said, you know, we talk a lot about um, uh, the, the, the change that ladies go through and, you know, but, but there is a growing trend that I'm seeing around testosterone replacement drugs and, and treatments and things like that. And um, what you just said there about estrogen is super interesting. Um, but, but to, to come uh, back a little bit to, um, how, you know, listeners of, of the podcast could, could use glycan age now, because with men, particularly men in the UK, there is a growing, um, I would call it an epidemic if I'm honest of type two diabetes, but more importantly, you know, pre-diabetes. So borderline where the HbA1c is outside of the normal range. Um, and generally, you know, we're measuring, um, you know, uh, our blood sugar using, you know, uh, taking blood samples and things like that. So where does, or how does glycan age fit into that? Because I think this is something which is important to discuss, but equally important to try and tackle. Yeah. So actually 60% of our customers are men. Okay. And the longevity space is also very male dominated. And it is something that men want to resolve first in a way yeah women maybe also live a little bit longer so they they have a different objective to it uh, and i think that car analogy is amazing so it's like speeding and right instead of getting a ticket which is a disease you have right. an early warning maybe on your app that tells you hey there's a camera there you should slow right. down a little bit before yeah. something bad happens so that's what like majors and what it should be used for um Obesity or just general um, unhealthy diet is, is a huge factor to it yeah. that we generally don't intervene or we don't resolve in the best way. And if you allow me to go to gyms a little bit, because that was something yeah, that we absolutely. learned a few years ago. So first, maybe 2016, we thought to now test that you can reverse it because we did have a little nursery study a nursing home study where um, they changed their diet and exercise and they had a small reversal. So we thought, let's do a big study now 
of yeah. a thousand people going to the gym for the first time. And because it was a, a it was a study of 40s and 60s, people in their 40s and 60s going to the gym for the first time. And we thought they're all gonna get younger in this next year. And what we saw is that all of them began to be more pro-inflammatory and become older. And what we learned later is we did these more smaller, um, uh, tightly regulated cohorts of 30, uh, 60 people going, uh, trying this, different exercise types is that most often the mistake we do at the gym is that we want to do everything at once. So we combine yeah. energy deficiency or color, uh, caloric restriction and intensive exercise. And that's double stress for the body. So if right. you're going in to lose weight, what you're going to do, you're, over, you're going to overburden your immune system. And then you're going to have this response that tells, please stop going to the gym. You're harming yourself. You're going to get cold or you're going to get sick. And eventually you will give up. And, and that's actually how the gym model works. Yeah. Everybody signs up in January. They go in for three <laughs> months. They make 40% yeah. of the revenue in this three months. And then everybody gives up for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they love this business model because they have you know thousands of members who pay regularly, but they, they don't go as often. And in the professional bodybuilders or the sportsmen, we see that they're generally actually quite pro-inflammatory or very high in biological age, unless they're balancing this with a lot of recovery and a lot of right. investments to offset the damage. Because what and, and we do see exercise is, is, is positive. It, it absolutely, we, we did the interval sprint training with a group of guys right. and all of them got younger in three months. And we see that when people don't move and they move more, they have positive results. It's just this culture of no pain, no gain and thinking that yeah. we should do both of these things intensely at the same time to get the positive outcome. Actually, it should be one by one. So first, maybe go on a diet for a little bit, get your body used to the stress then increase the exercise load or, or do it in a more gradual pace and then you have the benefits. So that, that's one big part that's coming out when we look at our overall health and immune system. And we even see that it mimics aging, not just by glycans. So we see glycans go up when yeah. you overexercise. We also see uh, hormone uh, suppression in women, probably also in men. I didn't see, a, I saw one study on it, but long-term it actually suppresses hormones and the loss of bone density. So it mimics menopause and it mimics osteopenia. Wow. And we're thinking we're doing the best for ourselves, yeah. but yeah, the yeah. level of intervention is really important. So it's not just about blindly following the health trends, which is what we've been doing for the last couple of yep. decades. Yep. We just, some, somebody tells us this supplement is amazing or this training yep. regime is amazing. Absolutely, we go and yeah. do it blindly yeah. and we don't really know if it works and we may no. even be doing Arm. So I, I love this trend where now you, you, you test your blood, you test your uh, vitamin, mineral levels, and then you intervene, not just yeah. buy 60 supplements and, <laughs> and take it all and hope that one of them works. It, it needs to be a much more measured um, uh, approach to be successful. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so, so key because I say to a lot of the clients that I work with that it's nutrition first and then it's exercise, right? And to take your point about men and the way that they approach health, they have this conception and it's a misconception that if you just go and smash yourself at the gym, that it's good and that you're healthy and that you can eat whatever you like. And it's the complete reverse because you can actually be, as you've just said, you can actually do yourself more harm than good 
there's a likelihood that you'll injure yourself anyway. Um, and you don't really know, you might feel for a small period of time a bit better because you've exerted yourself, right? But ultimately, long term, it's detrimental. And, you know, I, I won't go too much of a tangent here, but with the sport that I do, you know, with you know, endurance sport for long periods of time, that's completely detrimental to, to my health. It puts so much stress on my body. So this this thing that we're being, I guess, uh, the narrative that's been uh, spoken about at the moment is that if you're fit, you know, it still means you can get COVID. But but fitness is not a direct correlation to health. Yes, you can be fit, doesn't mean to say you're healthy. And I think that that's a, a great point that, that you make. And if you're heavily exercising or you're doing competitive sports, the recovery is as important as the exercise. So we're seeing more and more going to sports uh, or regenerative mental uh, sports recovery. And lots of things are coming out that could be, that could really work. And the high performers we see that have the good score, scores, they do everything. So they do yeah. stem cells, they go to bed at 7 p.m., they do cold therapy, they do a ton of different things to match up that level of training with the level of recovery they lessen. Yeah. Because you can't have both. You can't be burning the candle on both ends. No. And I think in professional sports now, it has been recognized and it's coming out a lot more that actually the majority of your performance gains now comes from recovery as opposed to the previous thought process that it was, you know, going harder. And that's, that's not the case. So, so yeah, no, that has been uh, super, super interesting speaking to you about glycan age and our glycans, but for people listening, um, Carolina, what, um, what can, uh, how can people connect with you? Where can they go to find out a little bit more uh, and um, yeah, even get a test themselves? So they can go on our website. It's glycanage.com. We have uh, two blogs. One is the science one for somebody who wants to go really deep into it. And then we have the self-care blog, which is a lot of real stories and examples because most of our uh, claims are based on hard research but we relate more to people so it's nicer yeah. when we can say the story of the guy who started eating more vegetables or yeah <laughs> yeah things like that so you can read a lot about those we're on instagram we're quite active there okay and we do education with some of our uh, clinicians and scientists so there's a few ig lives you can uh, perfect listen to there and i personally don't use a lot of social media but i am on linkedin so they can okay. find me there. Awesome. All right. So what's the what's the website? Glycanage.com. And your Instagram is also Glycanage. Glycanage. That's perfect. Me. Okay. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you today. I really, really appreciate your time. Good luck with the progress of Glycanage. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was Thanks. fun. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.